This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. From the Malamut and Associate Law Studios, Jacob Media Partners invites you to spend an hour of your day celebrating your faith. We acquire a fundamental right that can never be taken away from us. The right to hope. In collaboration with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley, including LaSalle University, First Trust Bank, and todayisagoodday.org. Enjoy Voices of Faith. Learn from your leaders. Be inspired by your neighbors and find the power of grace in your life when you need it most. The spiritual Voices of Faith begins right now. So glad to be here. Good evening, everyone, and welcome in to Voices of Faith, Chapter 3 of what has been an incredible journey, Jimmy Brown, over the first two weeks or over the first two months of putting this program together. And boy, do we have a great program for the listening audience today. Yeah, well, Joe, it's funny. It, it appears that each month we're, ra- we're raising the bar just to one additional level. And, uh, you know, I've been around the broadcast game for a number of years, and I've not seen this kind of momentum. It's pretty spectacular. I want to give you an opportunity to reflect back on on Archbishop Perez, who we had the opportunity to spend the full show uh, or the full hour uh, in Chapter 2 of Voices of Faith. But I'd love for you to set the table on our guest today. I am super, super excited about today's guest. Well, you know, today we're going to be spending some time with Pat Chiraki, and for anyone who's been around the Delaware Valley the last uh, 20, 25, 30 years, they would understand that Pat is, um, wow, she is just a lady with a, with a vision. Um, she was, uh, she's famous for not chasing a story to, um, what's the word, to hype in any fashion at all. She always finds the unique angle on individuals basically looking to do the right thing. It's a pretty amazing gift that she had. Yeah, what a great time we had sitting on the patio at uh, Pat's house. Stay with us, everyone, for what will be a great uh, hour. It's Chapter 3 of Voices of Faith. And, Jimmy, as we roll along here in the opening segment, and we thank, of course, uh, all of our partners and all of those uh, people from around the Delaware Valley that are tuning in to enjoy Voices of Faith, uh, I thought the best way to end our opening introduction, our opening segment— Uh, is for you to reflect back, uh, and I'll give you 45 seconds to a minute, uh, to reflect back on uh, our conversation uh, with Archbishop Perez. And then I want to end your reflection with some big news about Archbishop Perez and Voices of Faith. Well, Joe, I guess the the, the most significant thing that I took away from our time together with the Archbishop was his humility, Um, his his message to all of us, uh, simply asking us to do our best to be our best every day and if you recall Joe one of the startling moments was when we asked him what can we do you know as uh, folks in the Catholic Church what can we do to make a difference he said pray for me Um, and then you know Joe for us to be able to um, tap into his wisdom monthly with a message about trust and hope I think we're in for a significant treat uh, you know, from now to the end of the year, uh, I just have a, a, a sneaky suspicion that the Archbishop is going to do phenomenal work uh, to stimulate 
what would you say, much more active participation in yeah, the process. Good stuff and great thoughts. And with that, I'll let the listening audience know that beginning with Chapter 4, uh, one month from today, uh, beginning with Chapter 4, every month on Voices of Faith, Archbishop Nelson Perez will join us uh, and be part of bringing the Delaware Valley uh, a great, great message. And with that in mind, as we get ready to take a short break and then transition uh, into our star of the show, today. Uh, Here's a little bit of Archbishop Perez from our uh, chapter two story of Voices of Faith. Ultimately, Christ is the Savior, neither you nor me nor anybody else. And, uh, and, And the whole gospel revolves around, especially the gospel of Mark, who is Jesus? Yeah. Who is yeah. Jesus for yeah. you? Who do you say that I am? Yeah. Because the answer to that question determines everything. It does. It determines how we live here, how we treat each other, what we look forward in the future for. It, it depends how you answer that question. So that question that Jesus asked of us in the gospel, who do you say that I am, is, is a pretty profound question. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Business Leaders Radio Special, Voices of Faith, presented in part by Gibnish Funeral Home and by First Trust Bank. Later in the show, we'll introduce you to our Yo Philly, Philly Proud community nonprofit. There's never been a bigger need for Philly Food Rescue. Their mission is to eliminate hunger in our community through a technology-based volunteer network. They rescue surplus food from partners like grocery stores and restaurants and deliver it to people in need. The Philly Food Rescue app makes it easy for everyday food rescue heroes to pick up food and deliver it to nonprofits, schools, and more. Each month, thousands of pounds of unused food are rescued and given to the hungry. Learn more at phillyfoodrescue.org. Voices of Faith celebrate a real bright spot in our archdiocese, Mother of Mercy House in Kensington. Inspired by Pope Francis's call to take the church to the frontiers and to move beyond our comfort zones, the ministry began with a simple desire to be the presence of of Christ and His Church. Many families they serve live in deep poverty. The homeless and addicted are at their doorstep. Father Liam Murphy and team work daily to meet people where they are in their lives. They feed the hungry, talk and pray with those who seek comfort, and celebrate Mass as a community. They share the love and mercy of God with all. In 2021, Mercy Children's Academy, a highly specialized family-centric pre-K program, will launch to serve the most vulnerable children in their neighborhood. They welcome your prayers and support in this effort. In a world full of noise, one beautiful thing remains constant. God's love. It's powerful and lives at Mother of Mercy House. To learn more, volunteer, or make a donation, please visit them online at motherofmercyhouse.org. That's motherofmercyhouse.org. Voices of Faith continues now with an inspirational endorsement from Dan Selecki of Givnish Funeral Homes. Having had time to reflect on the outstanding interview Jim and Joe had last month with Archbishop Perez, I am intrigued by the conversation surrounding a ship at sea in turbulent waters, and it has me thinking. What is the safest place for a ship? Many would argue that it's when it's docked at port. However, a ship is not designed to sit idle. It is built to be at sea, to explore or be a means of transport. It has a purpose. So what can we learn from this? As leaders, it may be safest to quote-unquote stay in port as turbulence surround us. But is that our true purpose? I would argue not. 
We must be a calming influence and rely on our faith to guide us, as we learn from the Gospel according to Matthew when he writes, Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. He replied, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. We have an obligation to help others navigate and lead them through turbulent times. We must rely on our faith to face fears with courage, trusting that the wind and the waves will be rebuked and peace will prevail if we simply believe. To further play on the nautical theme, always remember, it is not the stormy water surrounding the ship that causes it to sink, but rather when the integrity of the ship's hull becomes compromised, allowing the waters to penetrate and get inside. Don't let turbulence around you compromise your integrity, causing you to be weighed down and sink. We are all gifted with leadership abilities which need to be nurtured and shared with others. Mrs. Joyce Lamelza, who has been our office administrator at our John F. Givenish Life Celebration Home on Academy Road for the last 25 years, is the captain of our ship. Joyce leaves port every day with a purpose to help guide and nurture our families through the turbulent times of losing a loved one. Her loyalty and steadfast dedication to her faith, community, and our team brings a calming presence to all who happen to cross her path. We are truly blessed to have Joyce as a member of our family. So today I encourage you all to leave port and set sail with a purpose. Trust your faith to calm stormy waters and help and lead others through turbulent times. As always, stay safe my friends and may God bless you all. Back here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much for tuning in to Voices of Faith along with Jim Brown. I'm Joe Krause. So glad to be with you here on a Saturday on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You know, Jimmy, it's interesting as we bring our special guest in uh, to this edition of Voices of Faith. Uh, great to hear that audio from Archbishop Perez uh, leading into uh, not only the show, but we hear the Archbishop bishop in various audio clips really meaningful stuff as we roll along what's amazing to me about the archbishop is that he can crystallize a message in a way that just anyone can receive uh joe i i really enjoy the concept of his philosophy around uh, if god's number one in your life everything else seems to fall into place so it's fun to be here today and uh uh, volume two, chapter two, uh, Voices of Faith. Nestled in the um, calm surroundings of Lower Marion, I think, <laughs> is a great way for us to uh, introduce and bring Pat Chiraki into uh, the broadcast. As we mentioned, Pat, in the opening segment uh, of the broadcast, um, today we get an opportunity to learn from, from you, uh, and you have had such an influence on so, so many people mm -hmm. throughout your entire career. I don't know where to begin, but wherever we do begin, I think, is a great starting you know, point. I, you know, I'm just so humbled by you saying that. In 33 and a half years at CBS3, it was just the most wonderful experience anyone could ever have. I, as, a, as a child, I loved to write. 
I also love to perform. And so the writing and the performance ended up being broadcasting. And uh, what's so interesting, you know, you, you learn how to, um, how to plant a seed and then you hope that you can grow within that. So a lot of my seeds at Channel 3 were planted in the very early morning. I, out of my 33 and a half years, more than 13 were anchoring an early morning newscast. And so that would mean getting up at 3, on the air at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, um, and, and you drive through um, communities, whether I was in town when I lived there or out here, you would find yourself just driving through communities, and it was dark. I found myself yeah, sometimes listening to a little radio, but usually I took a moment to pray. And I don't usually share this, but I, I will today because I think that this is important to, uh, to share with the audience and to share with both of you as we begin this. You talk about putting God first in your life, which is what the Archbishop was talking about. As I would drive to work, this was my prayer. Lord, when they hear me, let them hear you. When they see me, let them see you. Wow. That was my prayer. And it was because I wanted to be, I, I wanted people to be able to see the humanity, but I also wanted them to see love and that there was a, a respect that, that I had. And I felt that all of that is a message that is divine and, and godly. And I felt like if I could start with that as my prayer each day, and sometimes I would sing a little hymn to myself as I was driving the 20 minutes into town, um, but I felt like it set exactly the right moment. And then when Yuki Washington, my dear, dear friend, wow. he and I co-anchored together, before we would start each broadcast, we had like a little hand signal that we would do. And for us, it was our prayer to offer what we did to God's glory. Wow. So that's how we would start. And, uh, and even though, you know, certainly the business is very secular, um, you know, it's not Catholic TV or Catholic radio or anything like that. But we felt that if we could have, you know, God's divine love come through us and to use the talent that, you know, God gave to both of us, that that was really one wonderful way to be able to uh, to share who we are and then hopefully to be able to enhance the lives of others as they're listening. Have you ever thought about the number of people that you have influenced, inspired, and or perhaps changed the entire course of their life? Mm. You know, I really haven't thought about it like that. I guess because I, I really have felt that broadcast and television is not about the masses, it's about the individual. And so if I could be that person who would enlighten someone, or if I would have a story, Joe, that I'd be asked to do, I would find myself leaning toward stories that would help elevate the human spirit, because I felt that we all had a common experience, and that if we could, you know, n not necessarily in a Catholic way, but in a spiritual way to be able to pull soulfully so we could see the similarity with each other, and if we could lift each other up in that process, that, you know, then... You know, the work that, um, you know, I committed myself to do to bring light to whatever the circumstance was, you know, I would be achieving that. Uh, Pat, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, about your time with the Pope. Holy smokes. Um, first of all, 
the way our community came together and um, made sure that, that Philadelphia was going to be on the agenda. Mm. That's number one. And then number two, can you give us just a, a little bit of, uh, of what you saw and witnessed through that? Uh, through the that experience of him in Philadelphia, yeah, Pope Francis in yeah, Philadelphia? Yeah. Um, it, well, I have to tell you, it was, it was very emotional for me. Because uh, we started the broadcast, and he hadn't landed in Philadelphia yet, but he had taken off from New York. And he was wheels up in New York, ready to land in Philadelphia. And there was a shot of the plane as it was taking off from New York. And I was you know, voicing over the picture, explaining the Pope is going to be here for the next two days, and you know, however you explain all of that. And I found myself, after the first two sentences, my voice catching. I got emotional. Amen. Uh, I found that I teared up. And Jim Donovan, my again, my wonderful dear friend from CBS3, who was my co-anchor through the, uh, the 16 hours of live coverage that we did together, um, he grabbed my hand and he said, Pat, don't let that be the first time you cry, you know, like this soon. You know, you give it a little bit more time. And, you know, we laughed about that. I said, but I'm just so emotional because I know that what this man represents to not just the Catholic community, but to the world community. And to, so to be able to have him here in Philadelphia, the you know, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, as we like to call it, um, I thought that it was it could be really a, a powerful time. And it certainly was. Yeah. Um, is there a particular highlight from the experience of those 16 hours that you enjoyed that you might want to share with the audience? Uh, well, you know, there were there, so many. <laughs> yeah, there were just so many. But I will tell you about one in particular, because this is something that was ended up being surprising. Um, I said, so we, you know, we were broadcasting the mass and we got to communion. Now I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to go to communion. And so I said to Jim, Jim, you have to take over from here. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said this live on the air. He said, what do you mean? Where are you going? I said, I'd really like to go down and receive communion. And he said, okay, go ahead. Uh, You know, I'll I'll hold the fort down. And then we had other commentators too and other reporters and all of that. So I scooted out, had to, you know, down these steps across this, um, you know, macadamed area. There were police everywhere, people everywhere. But I worked my way through and they're going, hey, Pat, hey, Pat. And I got up to one point, and at this point, all the people who were, who were going to be distributing communion ended up coming down into this area with the people. And they each were carrying a white, a gold umbrella. It was a gold umbrella. And so you could see it. You could see all these umbrellas coming down. And um, I go to try to get in line to receive communion. And a, a PR person stopped me. No, Pat, you can't go. And his name was John. I said, John, come on. I just want to go receive communion. And he said, no. And I said, John. And he goes, you have to stay here. You can't cross this line. And I thought to myself, I know a lot of priests like you, Jimmy. Yeah. I know a lot of priests. I said, they're guaranteed there's going to be some priest I know. (laughs) With that, I see coming down my former pastor, Monsignor Rogers from from St. Matthias. And I holler over at him. Monsignor Rogers, like in this, you know, supposed to be a very solemn moment. Yeah. And he, he, he looked up and I said, I want to receive. I received communion from him. This is the reason why I'm telling you the story, because this is what was amazing. Behind me lined up 25 police officers. Wow. And they said to me, I didn't have the nerve to do that. <laughs> so glad you did. Thanks for, thanks for 
you know, opening the door. But it wasn't me opening the door. It was the good Lord opening the door. Amen. You know, to be able to have that moment, um, which was really important because when you are in communion with the Catholic Church, when you're Catholic and, and the Pope has consecrated the host... You want to feel part of that, and you want to be part of that communion. And so to be able to have that door open and have all of these men and women in police uniforms behind me, I loved it. Well, the other thing that, 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 that the, the audience needs to know is, remember, you were raised with two brothers. I so was. I'm, I'm going to guess there was a couple times at the, at the, at the dinner table where you were telling you one of the boys, that's my hamburger. Yeah. And I'm the oldest, you know, so uh, as, yeah. the oldest, as the oldest uh, sibling. You know how to put people in line for sure. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we're going to take a break here in a short moment, but I'd like you to just share with us at some particular uh, 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 point in time um, maybe a, a, a little story that really would capture the essence of where you learned uh, the importance of your Catholic faith. I know mom and dad were really important in your yeah. life, and there's probably a million stories that you could share with, 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 the, with, the, uh, with the audience. Do you have one in particular? Yeah, one in particular. Um, when, we were, when we were very young, um, you know, mom and dad, uh, my father was a mushroom grower, started out in the mushroom business, um, and ultimately became successful in it. But in the beginning, you know, they were a young couple, and they had young children. And um, and I remember at one point them talking about their faith, because they were very open about their faith and how important it was to pray. And mom said to dad, tell Patty the story about the quarter, about the quarters. And my father said, sure. It was one particular Sunday morning they were going to go to Mass. I might have been, you know, I was very young, and so, like, they would have to go to Mass separately because somebody would have to stay with the children. Um, and the uh, dad had sold his crop, but the money hadn't come in yet. And so he said to my mother, you know, we need something for um, the collection. And Mom looked in her wallet, and it was empty. Dad looked in his wallet, and it was empty. And Dad said, Mary go look in your pockets. Let me go look in my pockets. Let me see what I, we have to have something. They had four quarters. Wow. Put it together as a dollar, four quarters. And I remember, you know, when I was older and, and asking dad, but that, you know, I said, what'd you do with that? And he goes, I put it in the collection. I said, but that was your last four quarters. And he said, Patty, I had enough faith that if I did that for God, that God would take care of me and us. And certainly, you know, we have um, been blessed with such graces over the years and, uh, you know, with good health and with the ability to be able to share, um, you know, our our interests and our talents and our gifts. You're listening to Voices of Faith here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, certainly the voice of our guest. 33 years uh, around the Delaware Valley. On CBS3, Pat Chiraki, back in a moment. Portions of today's Catholic Business Leaders radio special, Voices of Faith, are proudly being presented by Michael Cleary of TAC Benefits, Linda Rosanio of Think Traffic, Mike Troy of KTB Benefits, and Lexus of Chester Springs, our dear friend Angelo Valletta, and Liberty Fox Technologies. Now, Uncommon Coaching with LaSalle basketball head coach, Ashley Howard. This is Ashley Howard here, and I would like to thank you for joining me on Chapter 3 of Uncommon Coaching. 
Chapter three, I would like to talk about the concept of growth. During this pandemic, our athletic director, Brian Baptiste, organized leadership training for our entire athletic department. We utilized an organization called the Winning Leaders Coaches Academy. And our coach, his name was Jeremy Boone. He taught me a lot about leadership and growth. Jeremy's key quote was, growth doesn't rely on motivation. It requires truth, trust, and self-discipline. During this time, everyone has been focused on all of the things that we don't have. Don't have the opportunity to, to walk outside without wearing a mask and function the way we norm normally function as people. But if we take a chance to take a look at the opportunity that we do have to grow within our soul, time to press the pause button on life, dive into the Bible, get right with the Lord, get our souls together. This is the most important thing that we can do during this time. Truth, trust, and self-discipline. I talk to my players all the time about growing. You come in as a freshman, I want you to be better as a senior. The best person you can be as a senior. Each stage in the student athlete's process, we expect to see incremental growth. And that requires them to be honest with themselves. Where are they as a player? Where are they academically? Do they need to spend more time in study hall? Do they need to spend more time in the weight room? Getting stronger, working on their skills, trust. Do me and my players establish the trust that they understand that everything I tell them is in their best interest? By the time you leave as a senior, you should be a captain. A captain represents in our program an extension of me on the floor, somebody who understands our program from top to bottom, in and out. And then discipline the discipline to recognize the areas that we all need to improve upon and go head on and attack those, those things with a clear and conscious heart. None of us are perfect, but in life, the most important thing is to be life learners and continue to grow. Our key components to growing are three things, truth, trust, and discipline. I like to thank everyone for this opportunity. Chapter three of Uncommon Coaching. God bless you. These are not typical or standard times, and the TAC Benefits Organization is not your typical or standard business firm. The company is owned and operated by Michael Cleary, and Michael and his team are not your standard check-the-box, put-in-your-time-and-go-home kind of people. Here's the thing. A different approach creates better outcomes for TAC clients. Dedication, knowledge, integrity, teamwork, community, creativity. It all matters to the folks at TAC. And as we face some incredible challenges in our world today, TAC has decided to do something incredibly different and positive in our community. The TAC Hometown Heroes Program for recognition of people doing little things to make a big difference. For August, TAC goes beyond the border to honor Sarah Shelter. After her freshman year at Duquesne, Sarah Elizabeth Tekawitha Sawick went on a missions trip where she fell in love with the families and children while building homes in Nicaragua. At the age of 20, Sarah was called home by the Lord in 2014. But today, Sarah's parents and her six siblings carry on her passion, building homes for the destitute families in Nicaragua. Sarah liked to say good vibes only. Her family and the foundation live by those words and back here on talk radio 1210 wpht thank you so much for tuning in to voices of faith pat chiraki our special guest uh what a great guest jimmy brown uh and we're enjoying um the words of wisdom uh from someone thank who you. was blessed with some incredible uh talent pat i want to take you from the 16 plus hours 
of the live broadcast when the Pope was in Philadelphia and bring you forward from there. Okay. It you would, discovered what? Well, what was so fascinating is I didn't realize this until the moment actually happened. When I saw that he was wheels up from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I felt to myself, you know what? I think I need to be wheels up too. And I felt that I had concluded something important and that I wanted to have other opportunities to do other things. And so it felt like it was really a natural conclusion. Like in our business, um, we say you can hear the out cue. So, you know, for those who are not as tuned in to what the out cue is on the story, it would be the last three words that would appear in a story for our audience as you're listening. And I felt that that was my out cue um, to be able to say, okay, I'm wrapped and now I need to do something more or to continue to do, to, to spend more time doing other things. And one of the primary things I really wanted to do was to spend more time with my dear mother. You know, she passed away in February and, um, I, and she lived in Wilmington and I was on the road. I was able to be on the road a lot to help manage her care it, with uh, you know, two or three days a week. And so I couldn't do that if I was on a live shot at the shore. And so I felt that this was really something that was important for me to do, to be able to give that time. You know, I always knew that my life in television was not about two alarm fires, as I would say. I felt that I needed to use the um, the role of a of a broadcast entity like CBS Three, and it was really amazing work that they did. And then my own talent for being able to tell a story or to be able to connect with people. And so that's why so many of the projects that I worked on at the station. Komen Foundation uh, for Breast Cancer, Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation for Pediatric uh, Cancers, and then other innumerable things, you know, raising money for, um, with the Salvation Army um, for the Joy of Sharing campaign at Christmas. Like all those stories about how people can benefit from other people's generosity. I loved being able to do all of that. And I felt that that was uh, much more fulfilling for me. So, you know, I continue to participate in some of those types of things. You know, what was really funny, uh, Pat, I I vividly recall uh, at one point in your journey, uh, you being with a group of women who were asking you about, you know, the broadcast career. And you talked about, you know, the concept of being strong, mm-hmm. reinventing yourself, you know, um, doing more with your with your life than whatever your quote unquote day job was. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because you've been through that transition right now. You had the courage to say, OK, what's next? Wheels up. Uh, could be a nice title for your for your next book, <laughs> Wheels Up. But but, but or my but, first book. Yeah, right. But but uh, you know, back to what Joe had said earlier and the influence you've had on so many people. Talk a little bit about what it's been like for you walking well, away from that spotlight. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we know when you you mentioned I have two brothers. You know, when you're raised in a, in, in an Italian American family and you have two younger brothers. Um, you are put in your place many times. And so there was no room to have, you know, the celebrity, if you will, you yeah. know, of, of the television station or the television experience around the dinner table, you know, that just didn't just didn't it. exist. So there's a lot of humility in my family, um, you know, and, and if you kind of got slightly out of line, you know, mom and dad would pull you right back into, um, you know, th- this is a gift that you that 
you have to be able to have the opportunity to work or an opportunity to participate. Um, and so you need to be humble and grateful for that grace that the good Lord gave you in order for you to be able to, to do this. But what, you know what I found at different times, you know, I would be... Um, he wouldn't I don't go as far as to call me a mentor, but I would be, I kind of coach some of the younger talent or if they would get frustrated with the news directors or the general managers or the executive editors, I, you know, I would help them walk their way through that and uh, help them manage that. And I had at, at Channel 3, um, I had 13 general managers and 12 news directors over 33 and a half years. Wow. Yeah, and so it was a lot. And so what I found, and I, this is what I would tell these young people when they would say, well, this particular news director is saying this to me, or this managing editor wants this story done in a particular way. I would say to them, you know, if it's reasonable, give them what they're asking for. I said, but remember always that your relationship is not just with them. Your primary relationship is with the audience. And that is to tell the audience the truth. That is to be an advocate for the audience. That's to be able to help tell their story, even when it's a difficult thing. Like they're, you know, when you start out, a lot of times you find yourself, they will call it a door knock. You'd, you'd have to knock at a door of a home where somebody had, had been killed or some terrible thing had happened. And, you know, the last thing that people want to see is a reporter and a camera. And so you'd have to navigate that very carefully and with a lot of compassion, faith, really gives us and to give them room to be able to validate the life of this loved one. Mm-hmm. And I would always make sure that that would happen and that would end up being my advice. So so there's a wonderful old saying, you know, um, um, have a mentor, be a mentor. Can you, can you share with our audience, Joe and myself uh, this afternoon, you know, maybe a mentor from your past? Uh, yeah, I have a, a cousin who um, just was a phenomenally successful um, PR uh, professional, um, managed and, and was the CEO of PR agencies, a couple of big ones and, and with international platform. And so she still is a, just a great mentor. And what she would say is that, you know, Patty, what is it you can do? I mean, this is very early on, she asked me when I graduated from college. And I said, well, I, you know, want to be a writer. She said, but you have to make money. What do you, what can you do? I said, I can be a waitress. I'm a waitress. I know how to waitress. And she would say, okay, well, believe it or not, being a waitress at this little restaurant in Chester County ended up leading me to meet a gentleman who was the sales director, sales manager of a small radio station, which ended up becoming my link to my first broadcast job. So what I share is you have to be humble enough to be able to start someplace because you don't know how the path is going to present itself. And, uh, and, you know, when you, you talk about the uh, you know, divinely being led to where it is that you, you really should be in your life, um, you know, for that whatever the divine purpose they talk about, but to be able to use your talents and your gifts along the way, um, you know, you just you don't know unless you lead with your faith that this step will lead to another step. And you have to be open about it. Do you believe, Pat, the story's already been written? Or we write the story. No, I I think that we continue to write the story each day because we grow in it. If the story was written already, I don't know whether we would be growing in the same way. I think maybe the the, the front of the cover and the back of the cover is already 
is already in print and looks fabulous. <laughs> but I think that the rest of it, we you know we have an opportunity to be able to write our own story. And but you know, but I think that if you ask for grace along the way, I think that you find the different aspects of the story that you're writing, so to speak, are more meaningful. Like our life has to have meaning. Amen. Life has to have meaning. And so that's, you know, whether you're reaching out to those who are less, who are underserved, or even those who are served, because everybody needs a compassionate ear. Every, and, and right now, in, in the midst of the pandemic, there are so many who are suffering. Amen. And so, you know, what is it that we can do for them? Well, we can pray for them. You know, we can ask for God's grace over them. Yeah, it's funny. I have a dear friend who often tells me uh, prayer is our, our secret weapon. Um, Pat, you've been incredibly generous with your time, and, um, and we're getting close to the, uh, the finale of our, of, our, of our moment together here. You have had many roles in your life, you know, wife, uh, mother, career woman, um, uh, daughter, mm -hmm. sister. Uh, share a little bit with the audience, uh, you know, how you have, despite whatever role you're walking in that particular moment, how your faith has kind of been the, the cornerstone. Because I've heard you talk about this, and it's powerful. Yeah, um, it is. There was, you know, somebody said, who are you? And I started peeling back the layers. And it was exactly that, Jimmy. It was, you know, daughter, sister, ultimately wife, um, friend. And uh, I realized at the core of it, I'm a woman of faith. And that that really needed to be cultivated. And I became a wife and a stepmother because of being a woman of faith. I'll tell this very quick story as we can wrap up. I got my nails done. There was a lovely woman who was a friend of a friend in the nail salon. And she said to me, Pat, how are you? I'm going to Jerusalem tomorrow. And I said, you are? Great. I said, are you going to the Western Wall? She said, yes. I said, wait right there. I go and get a piece of paper and I write a note, fold it up and I hand it to her. I said, Braz, put this in the wall. She goes, oh my gosh. You know, in Jewish families, that's a real sacred thing to do, to give a note to put in the Western Wall because it's a hotline to God. And she held it and I said, Braz, I don't care if you read it, just put it in the wall. What I asked for was a husband. I'd never been married. I was, you know, close to 42 years old. My mother had calluses on her fingers from saying rosaries and, you know, calluses on her knees from asking, you know, my grandmothers who were dearly departed, please find Patty a husband. Within a few days of that note ending up in the wall, I get introduced to the man who becomes my husband. Wow. And the thing that's really fun about it is that he's Jewish. Oh, my God. That is so great. That is so great. I'm sure that you guys may have read or heard of uh, the story about Denzel Washington. Um, as you know, Yuki has a contact and connection family with him, a cousin. Um, there's a wonderful story. Uh, Denzel um, gave a commencement speech at uh, the University of Penn, and he talked about the concept that he had flunked out of Fordham, and he was struggling mightily goes back to his uh, hometown and his mom owns a hair salon, mm -hmm. nail place. And a woman looks at young Denzel and says, give me a piece of paper. Someone give me a piece of paper. And she writes down, young man, you're going to be a leader and a champion and speak to millions and millions of people in your life. He still has that note in his wallet 
uh, and he will tell you that that was inspired by uh, by his faith, mm-hmm. by his faith. So isn't that interesting that you have your own note store? You'll have to call you. And, 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 I, and I have to tell you, the, uh, the whole idea of you know, being a, uh, an observant Catholic, marrying a man who is um, an observant Jew, has enhanced my life so tremendously. You know, we come from the Jewish core, you know, of from course. the Jewish roots. Um, but I have found such light and love in this relationship. That is uh, really special. So when, you know, if there's sometimes, you know, there's some parents are, um, they're restrictive of their children. You know, they say, well, you need to be with this type of person or you need to marry that type of person or whatever. I mean, it needs to be of the same faith or whatever. There are ways to be able to get through it if you have mutual respect and mutual love and you understand that you're being led. If you allow yourself to be led divinely you know, the, uh, the gifts are uh, unlimited. And the funny thing about it, Joe, is that um, in today's environment, where we're all trying to find our balance with different opinions, what a beautiful way for, uh, for Pat to help us uh, kind of close this, uh, this piece. Voices of Faith here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Pat Shiraki, our very, very special guest. As we go into our final commercial break, Pat, I'll ask you to reflect back and put yourself in the anchor chair and give us one last goodbye. (laughs) Uh, Pat Shiraki, CBS 3 Eyewitness News. Voices of Faith is brought to you in part by Mike Troy at KTB and his alma mater, Devin Prep. Devin Prep is a private Catholic college prep school for boys grades 6 through 12, focused on small class sizes, individual attention, and giving students opportunities they can't find anywhere else. Is your son's school starting part-time this fall? Is he outpacing his peers and not being pushed? Does his current school environment not allow him to be himself? If you want your son to be the best version of himself and find his right path, it all starts at their middle school. Get more than you pay for. Find out more and apply now at devonprep.com. Something spectacular happened on July 13th that is so worth sharing. Something really good, something really positive. Nothing the world would normally notice. Our world today certainly has its challenges, and it is very important for us to pause at times and appreciate our blessings. The folks at Creative Financial ran a golf tournament on July 13th to raise funds for folks in need. The event was one of those rare times to relax, have fun, and enjoy a beautiful day on the golf course. The Mary and Joseph Cleary Center for Newborn Wellness was celebrated. And Dr. Eddie Cheng from Newborn Special Care Association shared insights about a very special effort to help newborn preemie babies and their families. When babies are born prematurely, so many complications can occur and the challenge families face can be heartbreaking. In the spirit of Mary and Joseph Cleary, the doctors and professionals at Newborn Special Care Association are making a difference in our community. These folks roll up their sleeves and save lives, and all they need is our support. So it is refreshing and incredible when people in our region step up so generously to respond. The Cleary Center is one of those remarkable places where folks experiencing adversity find the love and care we all need from time to time. A generous helping hand is always provided. What was especially outstanding about the gathering on July 13th was the camaraderie and good nature of the group. No complaining about how crazy life is now. In fact, quite the opposite. People were talking about solutions, next steps, and how we can all keep 
keep things moving forward together. That positivity speaks to the individual leadership all of us can bring to our day-to-day routines. So the next time someone complains about how bad things are today, tell them about the nurses, support staff, and doctors at Newborn Special Care Association. Tell them about Mary and Joseph Cleary and the positive impact they're still having today for those in need. Let's keep growing and supporting each other because that's the stuff which makes all the difference. Stay blessed. What a spectacular interview, uh, and it was great spending time with Pat Cherokee, Jimmy Brown. We transition out of uh, that interview. Big guest coming up for us in Chapter 4. More on that as the month of August unfolds. Time now for our Yo Philly nonprofit spotlight which we do every month, presented by First Trust. Fantastic. And and we don't have enough time in the segment, Jimmy, but we're going to do it anyway uh, and introduce you to a great person. Well, um, Joe, we have with us this afternoon uh, Sister Jean McGowan and um, talk about rock stars. Uh, this lady runs a, a beautiful school down in the, uh, the in near the Kensington Kensington section of Philadelphia and in, in, in a simple phrase she's doing God's work um, you know the idea here would be to put uh, underprivileged children in a position where their future opens up substantially because of the excellent education provided by Sister Jean and the leadership team at uh, LaSalle Academy so welcome aboard Sister Jean thank you so much I, I have to tell you the LaSalle Academy is unique in so many ways we are in what, when we started 17 years ago, was, so, was known as West Kensington. Our model is an extended day, so our students are here from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Our goal and our aim is to break the cycle of poverty, and we can only do that one student at a time. Sister There's Gina. so much. Go ahead. Sister, Sister Jean, let me ask you if I can get you to comment on that. Understanding the term poverty and what that means, it's so hard, I think, for many people to truly grasp or understand that. It's hard for me to grasp. What I say to the sisters with whom I live, I profess vow poverty. My students live it. And by that, I mean, when we started in 2003, our average gross income was $18,000 for a family of four. This year, 17 years later, our average gross income is $18,975. Wow. You take the rent, you take food, you take utilities, and this year more than ever, the need for internet connection. Because once March 13th came and we had to close, our students had to get, we had to get them online. We, we stayed, and they didn't have devices to use. So what we had to do was send everything from school home and pray to God that it would come back. And it will, so I'm not worried about that. But poverty is in so many levels. It's the children, it's their families, it's what they come from. Sometimes our children do not know where they're going home to. We, when we stopped in March because of COVID, the virus, we had to open again in order to give out food. We've given out food Monday, Wednesday, and Friday since March 13th. So that poverty and the insecurities are so great. You know, our students one day might go home to two parents. The next day, they only go home to one. 
because a parent was put back in jail again. That's no fault of theirs. And sister, it's Jimmy Brown. I just have to put a little sunshine on on the work you're doing. Would you mind telling the group uh, a little bit about what happened today at three o'clock this afternoon? I would love at to. Your, yeah. We felt that what we celebrated today was our graduation. It was our 13th graduation since we started. But we wanted to acknowledge the accomplishments of our students and success. So we held a ceremony in our brand new St. Joseph Student Center. So a student and two families could be there. And it was great to be able to celebrate them. That's all we did. It was it was 35 minutes long. But the parents and students were so excited, A, to see each other and to be able to celebrate their accomplishments. Now, you have to know, in our model, yes, they graduated today, but our students are connected with us for the next year. The goal of the Sale Academy is to have 100% graduation rate from high school. In order to have that graduation rate, I, we got to follow them. Amen. So our parents and- or guardians sign a contract saying that we can go into their schools, we can check their grades, we can check their attendance, you can't invest everything that the good men and women, you know, Jim Lynch, Tim Abel, and our board, you know, First Trust Bank, for all that they've given us. We we can't just drop it at eighth grade. We have to follow it through to graduation, and we do. God bless you, and sister. And we have 94%. I love it. Well, listen, there's a a story to be told uh, at another time, but we wanted to entice our audience with the good work you're doing. Many talk the talk, few walk the walk. I would put you at the top of the food chain in terms of delivering the goods. Joe, what do you got? Well done, Sister Jean. Thank you so much. Again, our Yo Philly nonprofit spotlight here on Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. That's going to do it uh, for this uh, month's edition of Voices of Faith. On behalf of Sister Jean, who joined us in the final segment, on behalf of my co-host, Jimmy Brown, and on behalf of all of our partners uh, who make this show uh, what it is. I'm Joe Krause. Believe in hope, everyone. See you next time. That's right. Thanks, Joe. Voices of Faith is produced in collaboration with the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley and the Archbishop of Philadelphia. And a special thank you to the Philadelphia Boys Choir, a Jacob Media, J.P. Brown Communications production. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.